0: tuned in you got me if it's around nine o'clock babs rose ivy welcome to love babs love talk good morning harry Uh, i think paul might be out there getting us ready for word on the street because we are we are at episode number 99 for word on the street so we're almost at a 100 episodes since we started the word on the street and y'all know what word on the street is it's a little bit of slice of new haven life brought right to you (laughs) we're the ones that are doing it baby so Ah, I had a great weekend. I had a very interesting weekend. I had a very jolting weekend. Uh, what did I do? Let me I you know I gotta check my, my Instagram feed because that's the only way I remember what the hell I've done over the weekend. And uh let's see, I didn't do anything Friday. Oh yes, I did. I did Silence on the Streets. So this is a documentary. Um, Cherise Selums is shooting a documentary and I was a part of it talking about talking to young people about fentanyl. And 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 that kind of stuff, and just watching watching them talk about fentanyl and be a part of the conversation, uh, and you know, and drugs in general. So it was it was good. It was a whole day, Lord. It was a whole day, but it was well worth it, and I I enjoyed myself immensely. Uh, let's see, Saturday. What did I do? Um, Saturday we started back the uh, the Yale Access to Law School Academy. So we are back in the full swing of things. And um, it it felt tough. <laughs> I I don't know what I think I'm doing, but I'm I'm in the thick of it, baby. I'm in the thick of it, and uh, I love the way that I get to use my brain because I'm in this place of using my brain. And then uh, Saturday night, uh, I went and hung out with my with my with my my Kaplan, my Pauline Kaplan family out there in Guilford, and uh, and that's when the major jolt happened. And it was a you know it took me. A little bit to get myself back into myself after uh, a- a- after a surprise. And it's not a surprise that I didn't see ever see coming. that's that's not it. And the heartbreak isn't that someone did something to me. that's That's not the heartbreak. The heartbreak is uh, it's the end of things as we know it. Uh, it's the ending of things as we know it, and and rightly so because we've been in we've been in this bubble for five six years and got comfortable. It 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 is a bubble um, that he and I both created um, that was both exciting and boring at the same time, if if you can imagine that. And and I can only speak to my part in all of this is that it it allowed me to get get. To a level of comfortability with someone that I've never had opportunity to do, and I'm forever grateful for in which in in the ways in which I was allowed to show up as my authentic self, um, that I was heard, I was respected, and deeply, deeply loved, deeply, and and the level of intimacy, like we we had a level of intimacy that only happens after people have pillow talk. So we had pillow talk without even putting heads on pillows. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, and I, and I loved everything about the way in which we created this, this unrelationship. I, I loved everything about it. I, I was a willing participant in it. I loved it. But you know, at some point you have to sort of come to the realization that that's not going to be enough for either one of us and that we are going to have to sort of step outside of this bubble to sort of build the kinds of other relationships that we need in our lives. And so, and so it so it came this weekend. <laughs> the realization came this weekend and and it pulled me out of myself a little bit um and and all Saturday Saturday night I couldn't sleep I couldn't rest I mean I really was heartbroken um and but in a but and then Sunday I sort of walked through it and 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 walk in truth about it and then and now this morning I woke up and I was like okay I got it I completely understand I completely I you know it took me this weekend and I and I love the maturity and the growth and the spiritual growth that I have in my life at this particular point. So that, you know, I'm not 12. I'm not, I'm not a teenager. So I don't have to lament things over and over and over and drag myself through the streets with sackcloth and 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 ashes. That that's not the reality. The reality is is that I did, I I walked myself through the whole thing and and realized and and knew already, that this bubble was coming to an end, that we had to step outside of this bubble, because there was nowhere else to go in this. And the bubble became a barrier. It literally became a barrier. It became, at least for me, it became a barrier. Because anytime that I would go out with someone different other than this person, um, um there was always this comparison. There was always the understanding that I, I had this person I could fall back on, that I can enjoy the things that I so desired with this person without introducing anybody new to this mix. And and that's that was fine, it worked, but now it's not working. and And somebody had to take the sledgehammer and crash the bubble. And so the bubble was broken, the bubble was broken. So now what happens when you break the bubble is that you have to have some time Away, because if you don't have time away, and time away means you can't talk to that person, you can't run to that person, you can't hang out with that person, you can't do any of that stuff with that person, because you have to reset boundaries. You have to reset them, otherwise you will fall back into that intimate pattern of that dance that y'all were doing. That is so comfortable and 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 warm and it's cozy. We got so cozy. And it became so much a part of, I guess, my identity, my circle, um, and and that that has to change. It has to change. It has to shift. So now, so now, I I I I am going to build some better boundaries so that so that when we come back to each other, we are clearly defined as friends clearly defined as friends friends who absolutely love each other but but friends and 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 don't get me wrong nothing has ever happened nothing has ever happened between us in a biblical sense <laughs> but we carried on as if Things happened in a biblical sense. We're very intimate with each other. And I don't mean like touchy-feely. I mean intellectually and emotionally, we were in that space with each other all the time, with every meeting. You know, we we understood each other's movements, we understood each other's thoughts, you know, um, we understood each other's spaces, and 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 that's all well and good. But now it no longer serves us. And so I come to this with uh a real understanding of that. So so the good thing is that in 20 2023, uh I'm not a teenager. So if I have a broken heart, I, I can just pop on Spotify and I gotta wear out my records. <laughs> So I played a few records. You know, I started with a little Joni Mitchell, <laughs> both sides now. And then, you know, I played a little Rolls Royce. <laughs> I, I walked myself through the elements, Earth, Winter, Fire, a little Donnie Hathaway. You know, I did, all, I, did all, I did my due diligence with giving myself space and time presence to sort of feel all the things sadness is not a prolonged state but love is a prolonged state sadness is temporary sadness just says let's bring some attention to whatever is ailing us and i did that and so that's how when i got up this morning i had diane reeves on my mind lifted because i feel lifted because i walk in truth and because when you walk in truth you have no choice but to follow the truth of things and then stand on that. So that's what I'm doing this morning. So I'm standing on the on the truth of things. So while we are ended, we are not over. <laughs> we're not over. New boundaries have to be made. And and that's what I we're going to do. Um, that's what we're that's what I'm going to do. Um, and uh and and somebody had to Somebody had to break the bubble, and it had to be done. It had, it really had to be done, and and it was done, and and I'm I'm grateful for that because if if he didn't do it, I would have done it, and I would have unwittingly done it, in probably ways that didn't serve either one of us. But his way served us, you know, and uh, and as and as much as I pride myself on liking outcomes to things and liking knowing things ahead of ahead of time that that really I can't get stuck on that that's that was not the issue the issue always was that we needed to, we need to create new boundaries for ourselves and that the level of intimacy that we experience um it, it is a lot so um so i move forward uh uh not talking to him not speaking to him not uh seeing him and and you know that's it's almost like a little bit of a detox right it's like a little bit of a let's let's get this for me I I don't know what it is I don't know what it is on that side of town I only know where I live and what I must do and uh and listen I I am so I'm not and and hear me I'm not mad there's no madness here. There's no anger here. There's a great deal of love. I, I've not, I would not have gotten this far in my emotional wellness without him. I would not have been able to get this far without understanding, with, without learning. I, would have, I wouldn't have learned true love had it not been for him. I, I just wouldn't have. Um, I had some idea because I have children, and that's one way you learn about true love. I've got siblings who I who I, I am deeply connected, connected to. Um, so I, I have wholesome relationships in my life. But this particular relationship uh, gave me a sense of, of, of what love looks like in action. And when someone guards your heart, and he guarded my heart at every turn he considered my feelings all the time all the time and and I I do not put him on a pedestal because he's a human being just like I'm a human being and there's a lot of things that I didn't like about him but in in uh, in saying that I learned that you can accept what you don't like about people that the things that I don't like about him were not things that Mattered so much that we couldn't be friends. Do you know what I mean? And it's just small things that have nothing to do with anything. And, and I'm sure there were a lot of things about me that he was just like, "If this bitch, <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure, as I know my name." So I am. So so I. So there's a lot of gifts that. That were bestowed upon me and a lot of undeserved grace and a lot of kindness that, uh, that I've not known in that way. A lot of kindness and a lot of sharing me with his family who have become my family, who they are my people. Even though I joke with them like, you know, I'm not related to y'all. I am related to them. I I I enjoy them. I care deeply about what happens to them. I'm invested. I'm invested in their story. I am a part of their story. So so I've gotten a lot of gifts from him, and and I I could not. He, he made me. He makes me a better a better Babs, a better person. Um, he has made me a better person, and he has he has allowed me to grow, uh, in ways that I would not have grown. If, if if I didn't know him. like if I didn't know him, I would not be further I wouldn't be this far along in 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 my life and I damn sure wouldn't be empowered to jump through all the things. yes, I, I do a great many things but you know you do these things when people empower you when people are the wing, wind beneath your wings and he has been uh, the wind beneath my wings but but now it's time for a reset. And now we, we don't need to be each other's barriers. Now we can, we can be each other's pathways to things that we desire. And there are things that he desires. And there are things that I desire that we cannot give to each other. And we've given each other so much, so much. So, so while I had a momentary heartbreak, and it was momentary, it was necessary. And, and I see that and um i I feel so much better <laughs> but there but there has to be a period of time where we are not uh in in conversation with and in connection to because we've got to break this pattern of intimacy that is between us um and and it and it really is deep and abiding, and we have to you no know, we it's never going to go away but we, we can sort of put uh, uh, some parameters in place so that we have room for other people uh, to come in and, and be, uh, be significant others to us. Do you know what I mean? Like th- th- there's got to be room and he, and he's already started that path. And, uh, and I think it's a good path from what I can see. And I, and I don't got no dog in that fight one bit or or other, but I think, you know, he's got to be out there and I've got to be, and I definitely have to be out there. I definitely have to sort of step into these, these dating waters a little bit more fully and not be like, well, I can always go back. And I mean, I'm always looking forward to, you know, that I'm, I'm not in that moment. I'm already in another moment and I've got to uh, work through that, you know happily readily got to work through that so so i no longer have an unboyfriend <laughs> i no longer have an unboyfriend <laughs> and he no longer has an ungirlfriend <laughs> we are no longer an uncouple but what remains is a deep and abiding friendship, a deep and abiding friendship that I dare say will will be with me all the days of my life. I I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, but but there but there, there needs the bubble was broken, and uh, and we step out of it um, into this brave new world uh, with eyes wide open, and a foundation of friendship and love, care and commitment um, that should uh, prepare us uh, 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 for the one for the ones who who want to be with us. (laughs) For the ones that want to be with us. So so I have nursed my broken heart. I I am feeling pretty damn good this morning and uh, ready, ready to sort of get into it. So we're getting into it on this fine January day in the Elm. So so yeah, so thank you all for all your your care and your concern. And I know y'all pay attention and listen and watch and I appreciate it. And I'm out here doing my thing. So in the meantime, this is crunch week for my YDS ISM application. So I've got to finish up getting that ready. Uh, I've already got my references lined up. Letters to them have gone out. I've sent away for my transcripts. I've worked on my personal statement. I'm working on my academic paper. (laughs) So I've got a lot to do. Ah, I got work to do. I got work, baby. I got a job, baby. (laughs) I'm taking care of business, baby. Can't you see? Yes, so I, I got a lot to do. So my plan is um to work on to finish up because uh the deadline is the 15th. So I, I'm in good, I'm in a, I'm in good stead because I've been working on this. I didn't procrastinate, I've handled it, I put myself on a schedule and uh I, I'm doing the damn thing. So I got that. And then this afternoon. Uh, because Saturday we had we went back to the LSAT prep class, and so this afternoon when I come home, I'm gonna get back into spending every evening, give myself an hour with this stuff, so that I, because I'm already registered for the LSAT in June, and uh, and a lot of my classmates aren't registered because they they're nervous. I'm nervous too, but that's not gonna stop me. <laughs> I'm nervous too. I, I'm telling you, I'm nervous. <laughs> I have not mastered this mess not one bit <laughs> but I'm going to do all I can to do all I can. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to do all I can so that's that's where I'm at so so I'm going to finish up the the, the, the YD, ISM, YDS stuff and then this evening I'm going to start marching and I'm going to work on this LSAT stuff every single day you know uh, this weekend my knee hurt. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I did to hurt my right knee. I think. I, I I think that I was going down my front steps a little too enthusiastically, and then coming back up them a little too enthusiastically, and my my knee was like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> slow down there, girl." So I think that's it. But it it has been aching me to no end. And then I thought I was on my knees the other night and not for the reasons y'all think I had dropped something by my bed and it, you know, how you drop something and then it like rolls. So it was way under my bed and I was home. None of my daughters were here because normally if, if they were here, I would say, go look under the bed for mama, get that, whatever, 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 but nobody was here. So I had to do it. So I think I just went down on my knees and was just down there too long and but the left knee doesn't hurt; it's just the right one. So I don't—I have no idea. I just know that it hurts. But I'm up; it doesn't hurt to bend, doesn't hurt to walk. It doesn't—it just hurts. <laughs> I don't—I don't, I don't know what that's about, but it hurts. So I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm trying to be a good—I'm trying to be good with it. I put a little icy hot on it, or whatever. I got some. Some cooling balm stuff. So I put that on it. I've taken some Tylenol to see if that helps. I don't know. 60 is coming in hot. <laughs> coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Uh, I picked up my library book Saturday morning because I had to pick up this book, which I've been fascinated by. So I saw this book down in Delaware at my friend Um Ann Mazzaro's house, and she's got a really nice house in wilmington and uh it's called uh, marking time by uh nicole r fleetwood and i believe lauren knows her because i want to have a conversation with her so anyway um i ordered the book through lauren but she was closed this last week um so i went to the library to get it but she told me she, she it came in i could just come get it but i was like i'll wait till you open and i'll just come buy it i'll come come get it it's not a problem happy to do that. Uh, But anyway, I needed it in the meantime, because I needed to set the tone for how to, how to write this damn book. I mean, how to write this damn essay. And I'm writing an essay on, I am uh, looking at prison art and ministry, or prison art and theology, or God and that's the greatest artist in prison, <laughs> some old thing. So, I'm, t- so I'm, I'm trying to think about this in a very intellectual way. <laughs> I have capacity, maybe not ability, but I have capacity. So, so anyway, um, so, I, so I'm, I'm flipping through this book. I'm inspired, greatly inspired. I was greatly inspired when I read it in Delaware. And I didn't want to take it from my girlfriend because it was a gift to her from somebody here when she moved down there and then and then and then I forgot I had this little beauty um chasing me to my grave the memoir of uh Winfred Rembert, who I am a huge fan of and uh Paul Bass gave me this book as a gift Uh, and I just love it love it love it love it but anyway, uh, I was looking for a particular image because I, I think every just about everybody of a certain age with the prison has some connection to a faith. And no matter what that faith is, it could be Islam, it could be Christianity, it could be Buddhism, whatever it is. And sure enough, um, he does have some of that. So um, I'm telling you, I'm on this path, such a good path. It's such a good, such a good path and uh, such a good path. So I, uh... (laughs) all right, Paul, good hunting, good Paul hunting. (laughs) Paul out here on these word on the streets. (laughs) Uh, No, I do not have a guest this second hour. I do not. It's all me, me live and living color. Uh, So, uh... so yeah uh so paul is out there uh uh i have great faith i believe in you (laughs) so so anyway for those those of you who just tuned in right we do this thing called word on the street we've been doing this i don't know we're like 100 episodes in not quite 100 like today or tomorrow makes it 100 uh where we 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 run upon somebody in these new haven streets and ask them what's the word on the street. And the word on the street simply is what is happening in your life? You know, it's like it's like saying Habari Ghani. Do you know what I mean? It's Swahili. You know, what's good? What you know? What's happening? So uh and and we come away with a slice of new haven that you wouldn't get if we didn't do this, you know, and and things, things that you pass in your everyday practical life that you think you have no connection to, we, 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 we connect you to. <laughs> and, uh, and it's one of my favorite things. I mean, I, it so happens that it's on my show, which I love, but if it wasn't on my show and it was somebody else's show, I would still enjoy it. But I think it's best on my show. <laughs> so, so we're on the street. So Paul is out there. So any, so anywhere between now and, uh, when I leave these airwaves, uh, he'll, he'll pop on with a guest for about 15, 20 minutes and just get a sense of like, what are they into? What's the word on the street? Um, and people really enjoy it. And then he writes it up and posts it up on the New Haven Independent. So it's an honest to God story, you know, and sometimes people comment, and sometimes people don't, you know, it's, it's amazing to sort of have something that's not controversial on that New Haven independent site where people can just comment and be like nice people. (laughs) Like, and you you just feel like, wow, there are nice people out there. (laughs) No shades of New Haven independent. I'm just saying, sometimes you go to those sites, it is a battle zone. It is an all-out war zone. I'm done on them comment pages and sometimes i just throw myself in just for good measure and practice <laughs> and let me tell you something i will tell you there's some damn good editors at that uh new haven independent because the ish that i talk they clean it up all the time so i appreciate that <laughs> so ah, oh my god chickens wait who's chickens you should go knock on the door and ask them why they have chickens i don't don't understand chickens do they eat them so i feel like if you have a pet of a chicken you can't eat it i guess that wouldn't have flown well if you were uh if you had a farm do you know what i mean i i my my grandparents had a farm and they had pigs so we always had good bacon at my grandparents house down south (laughs) and now and now that i'm older and i was like Oh man! <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you don't make the correlation between the hogs in the yard and the good ass bacon on your plate. You're just like, oh. And then you grow up, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, and so, uh, so you, so you, so you grow up. So you grow up and you and you start to understand. Uh, that's how that goes. So anyway, uh I, I, I like the idea of a farm. I don't know about the reality of a farm. Like, you know, uh I, I like the idea of a farm. I don't want to be a farmer, but I, I could have a farm. <laughs> and and I could actually have a garden, crops. I'm not cropping them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like, oh yeah, I I I own a farm. I'm not a farmer. Yes, I have crops. I don't crop them. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's how that's how I would be living in the world. It's like you know, uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh. So, so yes, so I too can live on fantasy Island, I want a farm. I don't want to be a farmer. that's it that's that's the way it goes so and uh and and the more that I think about the kind of house that I'll need when I retire, you know uh you know with the bathroom with that has a wheelchair accessibility and you know a big kitchen and um you know all the things you know all all the things that. You know, they say that you need when you're aging in place, you know, and I think about that as I am, uh, as I am, uh, 60, you know, I'm, I'm turning 60, six, zero, 60, which is, it blows my mind, you know, 60, I'll be 60 you know, and, 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 and now I'm trying to get right with God and (laughs) get, get right with my health, (laughs) trying to, trying to, uh, buy back some time, (laughs) trying to add some time in front of, you know, in these sixties, you know, I was like, listen, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, uh i I tell you what i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna live with a whole lot of regret and uh i'm not gonna be fearful um i'm gonna just move forward and uh and and still um i was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying how they were still excited by oh my writing partner because i have a writing partner on sundays we have a writing group and uh and we're the same age and she was talking about how she gets up in the morning she's still excited for new challenges and new things and i was like oh yeah yes (laughs) i i i am still there are still dreams to be chased right like I, i there's no there's no uh if i'm sitting on the porch it's not to end the day it's not to say i don't have anything else to do sitting on the porch is really for me socializing for some, sitting on the porch means retirement. Uh, no, I'm not going to be retired from anything. I want to be able to do stuff up until the last minute. Do you know what I mean? So that's the, that's the plan. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't work in the coal mines now, so I'm not going to be working in the coal mines 10 years from now. You know, uh, I'm excited about the possibility of divinity school. I'm excited about the possibilities of law school. I think I'm more suited to that stuff now than I ever was in my entire life. You know, I didn't know nothing at 20. I didn't really know much at 30. It wasn't, re- it wasn't really until my late 40s that I really started to understand how I wanted to do this life. You know, I mean, I always had goals and stuff, but I- I'm more comfortable now. I'm comfortable with my skin. I'm not unhappy with the way that I look. I mean, I'm fat, but so what? <laughs> fat isn't a moral failing. <laughs> fat doesn't speak to competency of anything. it Just means you're fat. I mean, so I, uh, so I'm good with that. Uh, I, I, I don't. I love having a bald head. I mean, I, if I want more hair, I'll just put on a wig, and y'all see me with a badass wig game. So I've done that. You know, I still have all my teeth. Uh, my mind is still sharp. Uh, I probably drink more than. Well, I don't. I don't think so. I'll leave that off the table, because I. I don't even know. I would say that. I, I like good wine, <laughs> beer, bourbon, and uh, Rebecca uh, Andrew's sister gave me a um, um, something to go with bourbon. So you know, yesterday I went out and bought some bourbon, but I didn't open it last night because I was already drinking some good rosé. His mama gave me a bottle of uh, a good rosé and it was so good. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put anything behind it. Do you know what I mean? So I enjoyed the rosé. Anyway, she got me so I can make some uh, old fashions, which I, which I, I rather like a bourbon cocktail, I must say. So, um, so it's like a maple flavored, maple smoked uh, to make old fashions. I was like okay so I went and got me a decent bottle of uh, bourbon from the wine thief over there on Whitney Avenue where I like to haunt so I got me a good bourbon and uh, I might make an old fashioned tonight we'll see I got a little more rosé in the bottle and uh, so I might I might drink that while I'm you know doing my LSAT studies <laughs> and then I got to start designing what I'm going to do Um uh, I've already submitted. I, I hope to hear back. I hope I get accepted into this art ex- exhibition because then that would solidify me as an uh, artist. Although I, I say that the piece that I submitted for the nasty women of Connecticut three years ago was exciting and that made me a bona fide artist. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm I'm leaning into this artist's life. I'm leaning into this artist's life. I'm leaning in heavy, heavy. And uh, and when I meet artists, I'm always fascinated by the kinds of things that they do. And, you know, when I meet artists, they, they're never committed to one thing. They're always, artists are always uh, uh, across artistic expression lines. Do you know what I mean? Like they, you know, if you meet an artist that uh, uh, works in one medium, they, they also work in another medium. You know, they're highly talented people. That's what I love about artists. You know, they just tackle things um, from a very creative place. And I love that. And I think the world problems can be solved by, solved by artists, I think. Uh, because they, they do. And I was, you know, when I was at this uh, conference in, you know, when I was in the facilitation of a conference on justice and arts at um Trinity. Uh, A couple of months ago, and I met Pastor Isaac Scott, who who I have a big crush on, who um, whose ministry is art and uh, and the word together. Um, It's just uh, just solidifies those things for me, and the way that they can problem solve, and the way that art can be used as a tool of reentry, right? I'm just Fascinated by that, and I just feel like I fell down this rabbit hole of of alternative uh, additional reentry points, and reentry means when you come out of the carceral system back into community, uh, what do you bring with you? So some people. When they go in they don't know that they're artists or no one has ever cultivated art in them so they learn to be artists on the inside how do they when they come out how do they use that to their advantage how does how does using artistic expression as a reentry tool tool um, serve them and serve the communities that they go back to i'm fascinated by that i think i just wrote my essay <laughs> I, I gotta go back and play this later, because <laughs> I won't remember a damn thing I said. I won't remember a damn thing. Uh, but that's but that's my thinking. That's where I'm uh, I'm leaning. And 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 I didn't realize this, you know, because uh, art art plays uh, so much of a part of, of 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 tapping into your humanity and connection when you are locked up. And I got to thinking about when my brother. Uh, was serving time um, in federal prison, and he would write to us, and he would have drawings on the envelopes and drawings on the on the letters, um, and and I never made the I never made the correlation about what that meant until I started looking into how people try to stay connected through drawings and artwork on simple things like letters home and envelopes, that that is part of artistic expression and a part of keeping humanity intact, right? Like sometimes you could say in a drawing, what you what words escape you? Uh, so I, I find that fascinating. And even in my own time served and, you know, a little bit of time that I served um, uh, writing to my children, and and making little drawings on on letter at the bottom of the letters even if it was an x and o or a heart or a smiley face that 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 is uh, a way to 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 convey beyond words uh what i was feeling about them and and that has some real merit and i i i want to dive into that so how do i what I want to do is is marry that artistic expression with uh, with the feeling of a God consciousness that that sort of wraps around all of that, you know, that that divinity uh, dwells in spaces um, that are are spirit breaking. And and dismal <laughs> that God is in those spaces, and through art we can discover that God is in those spaces. And by art, I mean music, and um, dance, and the word and words, um, and and painting, mixed media. I mean, you know, when I was having lunch with uh, Reverend Marilyn Kendricks, and she said, "You know," and I love this so much. She said, you know, I don't have any real evidence that God exists, but music might be the, that. but if I, if I had to show some evidence, it would be music, because music does not exist to do anything. We have no reason to have music. Why do we have music? Music doesn't do anything. <laughs> but yet, and still, there's nobody on this planet who does not have a piece of music that has saved them, served them, lifted them uh uh brought joy to them that music's purpose is divine and so and i mean it it, even if you're just a a a rocker right just it doesn't matter what the music is somewhere it moves somebody in in a space so i so i i i love i love thinking about that and and when she said that i it was just like aha (laughs) I am on to something. Uh, and this is how I know when I when I'm going down the right path that all the roads are smooth. <laughs> That's how I know in my own life when I'm supposed to do stuff is when all the roads are smooth, when all the lights are green. You know, I'm not fighting nothing. I don't have to duke it out. I'm not I'm not sweating. I'm not, you know, r- raking my hands, racking my brains. No, it's like nothing but smooth sailing. Yeah, so that's what it's like. That's what it's like. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. So, so when she said that, I was like, aha, I don't have any evidence that God exists. But if, I, if, I, if you called me to the, to the court of that, I would say music, like music. Is is the is the is the proof that God exists? I I I have to find a way to quote that in my paper because <laughs> I love it, or put it on a sign or something and attribute it to her because it just brings me so much joy. And uh, so so in thinking about art and divinity together, um, I mean art and divinity go hand in hand. I mean, when you look at screen, uh, you know, uh uh stained glass windows, that is the teaching of the Christ story uh as a visual, you know. So we have long history with art and divinity, the Sistine Chapel and 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 other 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 works of art that sort of connect us back to God and God consciousness, you know, when we when we see angels, um, um when we see when we see paintings of angels and cherubs and all the all the mythical magical things that we see now that harkens back to uh uh god in creation and creation is artistic <laughs> you know god was the ultimate is the ultimate creator i mean look, go and walk outside and look at all the colors that you can find in nature that's the explanation right there there's your evidence right i think you know i think so so i am fascinated by art as a reentry art as a way to solve problems art as a way to address our carceral systems uh art as a way to heal hearts and minds art as a way to diffuse tensions um and art as a way to show not just joy in the world, but human suffering in the world. You know, as if we need more images, but we I, but we do. We need reminders that there are still things that we as humans have to do for one another, so that everybody's lifted. Ha ha ha! Everybody's lifted. So yeah, so I'm I'm feeling pretty damn good this Monday morning. Let me tell you, I've had a weekend. <laughs> I, I've had a weekend, baby. Uh, but it's been, it's good. I saw my my dress designer Zoe Crane this weekend. Um, although she seemed, she seemed a little, she seemed a little out of sorts, but I didn't get a chance to really chat with her. Uh, but she was there with her cousin, uh, the lovely and talented Sophie, who is my neighbor. Um, and so, you know, it's always nice when cousins can get together. Um, so I had a really good weekend. It, it was It was illuminating and uh, introspective on a lot of levels. And uh, and it got me to Monday morning, which is, I, I dare say, um, the best possible thing. So So I'm good. <laughs> All the way around the world, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm so good. And uh and, and it is because the, the value of the people and the quality of the people in my lives make me who I am. That that's it. I I I have to stand on that. It's the people that I know and love who are in my circle who make me as good as I am. Um and and I oh owe, owe, owe that. owe that because I, I benefit from undeserved grace. And uh, I don't know how I got to be this lucky. I really don't, but lucky I am. And uh I'm not gonna give it back. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hang on to it. I'm gonna hang on to it. So before uh, before we cut to break, you know I got to do the PSA. Um and I said that I would do it every single day. Every single day. Oh, but before I um uh, before I go to the PSA, before I read it, um, uh, I was watching um you know my favorite thing on Sunday mornings is CBS Sunday mornings, and I was watching. Um, I was watching the pieces they did on Hank Hank Willis Thomas, the artist, and he did this sculpture called the Embrace of Coretta and Martin in Boston Commons, and it is just their hand, their and it's giant. This thing you could walk under it, and it's just their and their hands around each other, but. It's no body and no head. It's just their arms, and and now I feel like I got to get to Boston to sort of see it. But I bring it up because I just read about Hank Willis Thomas in um in Nicole Fleetwood's book, uh, "Marking Time." So, this, so when I tell you, um, I, I, when the path is smooth and easy and clear, that that's what I mean. Like I didn't know him until I saw his name and his th- talking about his artwork. In that particular book, and then to turn on the TV and see him on 60 Minutes—that's how I know I'm—I'm just—I'm on the divine path. So I just wanted to say that, so that you understand when I when I talk about these connections, when I talk about divinity and how things work, um, makes me happy. So anyway, uh, January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Do you know someone who is a victim of human trafficking? Human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery with illegal smuggling and trading of people for forced labor and or sexual and physical abuse. There's a worldwide, this is a worldwide problem as well as in our beautiful state of Connecticut. Traffickers target people, both boys and girls who are vulnerable to promises of a better life and enforcing them to live and work in un, unfair and abusive conditions. Many traffickers are well known living near us and promising and convincing young people and families that their children will have a better life in a new place. Under the United States federal and Connecticut state laws, human trafficking is a crime. Let's work together to protect our children against these horrific crimes. If you are a victim or know someone who is a victim of human trafficking, or if you would like to learn more about this serious issue in our society, please contact Love 146 at 203-772-4420. That's 203-772-4420, Love 146. And this, this uh, service announcement is being sponsored by the Waterbury, Connecticut chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. And so uh, I'm going to have them on shortly, so hopefully sometime this month, to talk about uh, where they are and the work that they're doing on human trafficking. I had them on last year and uh, it was it, it's just delighted to do it because you all know I I was a kid that was trafficked. and uh, And I dare say that unknown, unnoticed trafficking is going on as we speak here in our city. Uh, that and it goes unreported and undetected uh, so we have to be diligent and do our part so i just wanted to say that so uh so if you see something say something you know if something feels you know when you get the hair standing up on the back of your neck and you see something that's not quite right don't just shrug it off as ah, i'm just being over overly whatever no if you see something say something see something say something and it might not be nothing but allow at least somebody to investigate and to check it out because you never know you might just save somebody um out of slavery you might just save somebody save somebody out of slavery so that's that's what i wanted to say Um, and i love the work that they do and uh and i'm a fan of love uh 146 and i i stay in communication with them on a regular basis and um, has been vetted for their board so we'll see how that all goes although you know i don't need another damn board commitment (laughs) but to who to whom much is given much is expected and so uh i i lean into that heavy uh i lean into it because i feel like as long as i got some breath and ability i i can help where i can so Anyway, we we gonna um, we're gonna take a break in a few minutes. We're gonna play some music. We'll be back at ten fifteen. Hopefully, uh, Paul will have uh, found somebody in this town to talk to. <laughs> get us to get us to ninety nine. <laughs> word on the street. Word on the street. Everybody, get ready for word on the street. I got to find somebody to create some music for that. We need a little music, so. Oh, wait, is this Paul now? Paul, you have to get on our schedule. (laughs) You have to get on our schedule. Oh, (laughs) okay. Here we go. I guess he found someone. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Babs. How
0: you doing? I'm good. Happy Monday.
1: Yeah, happy Monday. We got a woman here from London by way of L.A. who's hoping she's going to become part of New Haven. Her name is
2: Kendall.
1: Hello. Hello, Kendall. And Kendall's underneath the awning the, um, at the Yale Center for British Art. And Kendall, what are you up to today? What brings you to New Haven?
2: Um, so I am actually interviewing for a job at the Yale Center for British Art. So <laughs> that's what brings me to New Haven today. And how Yay! did you? have any What?
1: Do you have any coffee or anything first?
2: I did, I'm staying in a very nice hotel for graduate just along the road. What do you think of it? Um, oh, beautiful, absolutely stunning. The shower was amazing.
1: <laughs> you know, it used to be like a very low rent place with a great story history of oh, writers okay. and stuff wow. and they redid it. Wow.
2: Wow. Yeah, New Haven
1: is like that, yeah. every inch has it's some great stories.
2: Sort of yeah. So
1: what makes you want to come to New Haven?
2: Um, so the, obviously the collection at the British Art Center is absolutely fantastic. I'm obviously British, so the art here is just um, my heritage. And I went for the first time yesterday and I actually found a painting of the island that my family are from, and I've never found a painting of, um, that, of that country before. So what island is it? My family is from a small island called Dominica. It's not Dominica Republic, everyone gets that. I was stuff.
0: just in Dominica. I was in Dominica last, last February. Really? Yes. I
2: love it. I've never actually been, I haven't visited yet, but I've always wanted to go so I actually, um, one of my projects at the moment I am researching the legacies of slavery, colonialism and exploitation within artist materials and the pigment I started with was indigo and there's some videos online that you can find on YouTube um, from the National Gallery in London and um, so, uh, yeah, I found a painting of the island and like the colonial history of the island and the linen market and things. So it's a really beautiful painting, yeah. So you're now in LA? I now, I'm in LA at the moment and I'm an intern, a painting consultant. Conservation intern at the Getty Museum.
1: Yeah. Okay, you're looking for a full time gig.
2: I am looking oh, for Oh, we want team. you in New yeah. Haven. If it's up yeah.
1: to us and the show you're on. Yeah. So, what got you into art? We grew up where?
2: I grew up, so I grew up in London, a single parent family. Um, and the reason I've become a conservator is my um, head teacher uh, kind of took me in. And she, her and her husband kind of became my adopted um, parents and have kind of looked after me through my whole journey. and Um, my head teacher's husband was a conservator and was basically like this is the perfect job for you and why do you think
1: for you because you love art
2: because I love art and I love creating and I'm uh, so I do a lot of outreach and things for young people and I think art and conservation is a great way for young people to engage with art in a different way and just have a really fulfilling life
1: and you're a younger person, not as young as that, yeah. <laughs> and you came here to visit yesterday and found a way that art connected to your life.
2: Exactly. And what
1: was the what was the feeling of seeing that painting yesterday? I cried.
2: I cried. I, I, I welled up, and I I have to say it was one of uh, – it's a really special moment for me. And tell me never why. Seen. I
1: know you said because you've never seen it represented in art. What because was the significance? I, I've
2: done so much research into the histories of these um, uh, places and things, and of course I've done history into my own culture and my own heritage, but – actually seeing a painting like represents that. It was just, it was just fantastic. And that's
1: very yeah. interesting to me, how we sometimes yeah. feel validated by that's art exactly. through another person's eyes, is and, that what it
2: is? Yeah, and the way that we kind of are now looking and researching um, artworks in a complete different way to kind of, include those histories of people that have been forgotten is a real great way of which of course has um, been a new mission
1: of this and you knew that exactly. that's a new mission here exactly. so you want to be part of that mission
2: and i want to be a part of that mission yeah but my the lady that i am interviewing with is just here so okay I'm let me say any can't... last <laughs> any
1: last questions babs
0: so how long are you here for like how many times do you have to interview
2: um, I, I'm not too sure, but um, I'm here for a couple more days, so I'm gonna explore and uh, see, look around the area and see what it's like to live here. And- cafe Nine, yeah, a cafe
1: nine, walk there for uh, where do you say Babs, you say, um, the, the vegan pub that's around the corner?
0: Cafe oh, the canon oh, yeah, the you
1: would cannon like the cannon, cannon a vegan pub around okay, the corner. And All Cafe right. Nine is a great music place right okay bab so all we're gonna right. let you get your break we're gonna wish luck to Kendall.
0: yes good luck we yes, hope you yes. become a, a new havener and this
1: is the 99th guest signing off i love babs oh, love no, talks you're That's a lucky number. Yeah, so yes i'm gonna today at <laughs> WNHHFM, new haven's home
2: well, I
0: 99 i love it all right so we're gonna take a break we'll be back in about 15 minutes thanks harry Hi, this is Dolls Riley from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Something
3: ain't right. I feel like you've been taunting me. Eager to fight.
4: This. i'm supposed to be happy i'm rich instead you got it end of late tossing and turning handy in a cup push roll then it's burning yeah i know i gotta get a grip cause i can't keep living like this you
5: must think i'm supposed to
4: Like you write a book, y'all. Sometimes I can't stand you, I hate you. Then sometimes I'm gonna miss you, I hate to admit. But your love, I can't forget. And it's sad, cause I just was the illest, the realest. Find myself thinking about you. Then I reminisce about you on how you do. Then I think about how I used to be a fool and naive to so the f. Went through. Instead, you got a n*** of a lady. Tossing and turning, me in the cup it's burning, man I gotta get a grip cause I can't keep living like this
6: W-A-H-H-L-P, 103.5 the hate
0: If you are comfortable, you're going to have to get up out of there. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it's the first of the year. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. It is uh, Monday, the 9th. We're marching into MLK weekend, y'all. So get prepared to make all your events. <clears throat> I think they still do the Love March which uh it's always when they do it it's always very cold so i haven't done done it in many many years uh uh so I, i'm not going to say i'll be there for that uh but i i do like to get some mlk my church when my church was open we used to read um the uh letters from a birmingham jail uh, we used to do that and uh and i miss doing that and had i thought about it i probably could have um <clears throat> Figure out a way to sort of do it with some folks somewhere, and uh, do it. But uh, you know, maybe I'll get um, <clears throat> Mike Moran to do it next year, and uh, and we could we could handle that. Or maybe I'll send him a note it's like, you know what, you should do an impromptu read, an impromptu read of uh, letters from a Birmingham jail for MLK. <laughs> like next year, Mike Moran. Next year. I don't think you could pull it off now. Uh, but you should you should consider doing it and pull together some folks who could who could read. Like I, I know Judge Louie Harper is 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 still on the scene somewhere. You call him Cliff Graves. Like there's a bunch of people you could call uh to get this done. <laughs> I'll just say it. Let's just get it done. Uh but I know. So we watched we we're walking into uh MLK weekend. Uh the Deltas are walking into our our um, <clears throat> sorority anniversary. So you know we're well over a hundred years now. So, you know, so we are we are looking back and seeing all our, our D9 sisters and brothers who are just making their 100th, making their centennial stride. Uh, we've been at it for a few years now. Uh, But you know what? We about to have a red takeover. So January (laughs) thirteenth, just be be ready Friday. So I don't know where we all going to be. Figure it out. I may have to go party with them somewhere. Show up somewhere and drink red cocktails. (laughs) You know, and uh, do a little stroll around a room somewhere. So we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Our Founders Day is is coming up and, uh, you know, we get ready for that and and, uh, we'll, we'll be in these streets all over the world, there'll be red streets everywhere. So, so yeah, so, you know, January walks us into Black History Month and then, you know, Black History Month and Valentine's Day, love, love of Black people, love in general, love of all things. So it's my favorite time. Uh, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> let's get into it a little bit., uh, maybe we'll run the speeches of MLK on Friday. Maybe we'll do that or Monday. Well, Monday is a holiday, so we won't be here on Monday, I don't think, unless Harry uh runs the uh, he just runs the speeches all day. I, I I'm a big believer that people should hear these speeches. Uh, if this is if this is your only time that you're going to hear these speeches, then you should hear them in their entirety and not just snippets of the speeches, uh, because they are they are um, they are amazing. They are uplifting. They are inspiring, um, and it reminds us just how far we've come and how much further we still have to go for equality and all things. So if you've not heard uh, any of the MLK, MLK speeches, you could, I think you could just Google them on YouTube, right there on YouTube. Uh, but if you have not, uh, I would invite you to spend some time, sit and uh, spend some time uh, reading and listening to the speeches. I, I, have, I think I have a book of all the speeches and then uh, Strength of Love is my favorite book. It's the first book he ever wrote, and then I have, uh, and then I have um, the beloved community from chaos, from chaos to community. Um, So I have that. I might read from that this week. Uh, That'd be a good idea. And uh, so maybe I'll pull all my MLK books and every day get a little something something of the MLK vibe. um, As a matter of fact, uh, because I think it's worth. I think it's worth everything to sort of hear uh, these speeches. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm gonna look up uh, uh, letters from. I, I don't think I have them. I don't think I have them on me. But I, I don't think I have the book. I might. I might, I might, I might, I might, but you know, you could, you could, you could, you could pull it up. It is a bit of a read, um, but you know, if you, if we could do it in concert with each other, uh, as we used to do in my church, and uh, and letter from a Birmingham jail uh, was written April sixteenth, nineteen sixty three. Uh, which is uh, April 16th, my sister's birthday. But uh, I was born shortly after this in 1963. So, so this letter is as old as I am. So it's a 60-year-old letter. My dear fellow clergymen, while confined here in the Birmingham City Jail, I came across your recent statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. Seldom do I pause to answer criticism of my work and ideas. If I sought to answer all the criticisms that crossed my desk, my secretaries would have little time for anything other than such correspondence in the course of the day. And I would have no time for constructive work. But since I feel that you are men of genuine goodwill and that your criticisms are sincerely set forth, I want to try to answer your statement, in which I hope will be patient and reasonable terms. I think I should indicate why I am here in Birmingham, since you have been influenced by the view which argues against outsiders coming in. I have the honor of serving as president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, an organization operating in every Southern state with headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. We have some 85 affiliated organizations across the South, and one of them is the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Frequently, we share staff, educational and financial resources with our affiliates. Several months ago, the affiliate here in Birmingham asked us to be on call to engage in a nonviolent direct action program, if such were deemed necessary. We still yet, we still to engage, we, we call to engage in a nonviolent direct action program, if such were do, deemed necessary, we readily consented. And when the hour came, we lived up to our promise. So I, along with several members of my staff, are here because I was invited here. I am here because I have organizational ties here. But more basically, I am a Birmingham in Birmingham because injustice is here, just as the prophets of the 8th century BC left their villages and carried there, thus saith the Lord, far beyond the boundaries of their hometown. And just as the apostle Paul left his village of Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the far corners of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my own hometown. Like Paul, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. Moreover, I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Never again can we afford to live with the narrow, provincial, outsides agitator idea. Anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds. You deplore the demonstration taking place in Birmingham, but your statement, I am sorry to say, fails to express a similar concern for the conditions that brought about the demonstrations. I am sure that none of you would want to rest content with the superficial kind of social analysis that deals merely with effects and does not grapple with underlying causes. It is unfortunate that demonstrations are taking place in Birmingham, but it is even more unfortunate that the city's white power structure left the Negro community with no alternative. It is, it, in any nonviolent campaign, there are four basic steps. Collection of the facts determine whether injustice exists, Negotiation, self purification, and direct action. We have gone through all of these state steps in Birmingham. There can be no gainsaying the fact that racial injustice engulfs this community. Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of brutality is widely known. Negroes have experienced grossly unjust treatment in the courts. There have been more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than in any other city in the nation. They, these are hard, brutal facts of the case. On the basis of these conditions, Negro leaders sought to negotiate with the city fathers but the latter consistently refused to engage in good faith negotiations. Then last September came the opportunity to talk with leaders of Birmingham's economic community. In the course of these negotiations, certain promises were made by the merchants, for example, to move, to remove the store's humiliating racial signs. On the basis of these promises, the Reverend Fred Shuttleworth, and the leaders of the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights agreed to a moratorium on all demonstrations. As the weeks and months went by, we realized that we were the victims of a broken promise. A few signs briefly removed, returned. The others remained, as in so many past experiences Our hopes had been blasted and the shadow of deep disappointment settled upon us. We had no alternative except to prepare for direct action whereby we would present our very bodies as a means of laying our case before the conscience of the local and national community. Mindful of the difficulties involved We decided to undertake a process of self-purification. We began a series of workshops on nonviolence and we repeatedly asked ourselves, are you able to accept blows without retaliating? Are you able to endure the ordeal of jail? We decided to schedule our direct action program for the Easter sermon, realizing that except for Christmas, This is the main shopping period of the year. Knowing that a strong economic withdrawal program would be by the product of these direct actions, we felt that this would be the best thing to bring pressure to bear on the merchants for the needed change. Then it occurred to us that Birmingham's mayoral election was coming up in March and we speedily decided to postpone action until after Election Day when we discovered that the commission, the commissioner of public safety, Eugene Bull Connor, had piled up enough votes to be in the runoff we decided again to postpone action until the day after the runoff, so that Mr. Connor, we waited to see Mr. Connor defeated. And to this end, we endured postponement after postponement. Having asked, having aided in this community need, we felt that our direct actions uh, program could be delayed no longer. You may well ask, why direct action? Why sit-ins, marches, and so forth? Isn't negotiation a better path? You are quite right in calling for negotiation indeed. This is the very purpose of direct action. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such a tension that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue it seeks to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored my citing the creation of tension as part of the work of the nonviolent resistor may sound rather shocking that i may that, but i must confess that i am not afraid of the word tension i have earned Earnestly opposed violent tension. But there is a type of constructive, nonviolent tension which is necessary for growth. Just as Socrates felt that it was necessary to create a tension in the mind so that individuals could rise from the bondage of myth and half-truths to the unfettered realm of creative analysis and objective appraisal. So must we see. The need for nonviolent gadflies to create the kind of tensions in society that will help men rise from the dark depths of prejudice and racism to the majestic heights of understanding and brotherhood. The purpose of our direct action program is to create a situation so crises packed that it will inevitably open the door to negotiation. I therefore concur with you in your call for negotiation. Too long has your beloved southern Southland been bogged down in tragic effort to live in monologue rather than dialogue. One of the basic points in your statement is that Action that I and my associates have taken in Birmingham is untimely. Some have said, why didn't you give the new city administration time to act? The only answer that I can give to this query is that the new Birmingham administration must be prodded about as much as the outgoing one before it will act. We are sadly mistaken if we feel that the election of Albert Boutwell as mayor will bring the millennium to Birmingham. While Mr. Boutwell is a much more gentle person than Mr. Connor, they are both segregationists dedicated to maintenance of the status quo. I have hope that Mr. Boutwell Would be reasonable enough to see the futility of massive assistance resistance to desegregation, but he will not. But we he will not see this without pressure from devotees of civil rights. My friends, I must say to you that we have made that we have made a single gain in civil rights. We have not made a single gain in civil rights without determined legal nonviolent pressure. Lamentedly, it is historical fact that privileged groups seldom give up their privilege voluntarily. Individuals may see the moral fight and voluntarily give up their unjust posture, but as a Reinhold Niebuhr has reminded us, groups tend to be more immoral than individuals. So, if you not read uh, the letters from Birmingham Jail, uh, it it does, it is a wonderful tome on thinking about how the intersection of nonviolence and tension sit, like where where they where they meet. And and how the using of nonviolence as a tool um, to put tension to bring people to a negotiating table. Um was the first resort. Like they didn't just that this is a, a period of time where Conversation was had, asks were made, uh, inv- invitation handed out, and the changing of administrations and the holidays. And <laughs> no time is the right time. No time is a good time. So there's an election, and then a runoff election, and so how long? Not long. So you had you you get some insight into the movements um, of the day, the movements of that moment, the movements of how people were doing all that they can to sort of further the ends of civil rights. It's one of my favorite things to to read. It's long, but it's a it's a wonderful. Wonderful. And I I dare say I don't want people to get lost or lose sight of reading these kinds of things and listening to these speeches um, as we move away from them historically. You know, this was written 16 years, 60 years ago. And uh, I don't want to lose sight of them. You know, of of course, you can find them online. They've been digitized and then people will some people will drag some of it out. The more progressive ones would drag it out for MLK weekend, um, but I I say it, it ought to be required reading um, everywhere in in every every place of academic institution in every academic institution, you know, and not just collegiate, but you know, at the at the high school and the middle school, that they should have some familiarity with with the text and tone of this document. You know, that's the that's the least we can do. That is the very least that we can do, so that we don't lose sight of what the battle was. So that we don't lose sight at what was a, what was at stake, and what is still at stake. It is the same fight, boys and girls. We are still in that same place of leveling playing fields. We are in that same place of equality. We are in that same place of ensuring um uh voter voters have a right and people have a right to vote. We are still in that space. And uh 60 years later here we are. We're still in that space. We're still raising these conversations. We're still battling a Supreme Court. We're still battling lower courts. We're still battling, battling um, um, uh, systemic racism and white supremacy. We're still battling these things. They have not gone away. And even though uh, we have gotten comfortable with a lot of of gains, um, we better get uncomfortable with all those gains that are being eroded. and and by eroded, I mean deliberately snatched. And so if you if you don't believe that, then you were not paying attention to the 15 votes that it took to get that white supremacist Kevin McCarthy elected to as Speaker of the House. I mean it it was something to behold. You know um, so uh, the the fight is very real. The p- clear and present danger is very real. Um, and and I know I know one thing that they want nothing but to undo all these gains of the last 60 to 100 years. And I don't think we want to go back to what it was like 60 to 100 years ago. We we can't go back. So so I'm inviting people to sort of take a deeper dive into MLK uh, celebrations take a deeper dive, take a deeper dive, You know, uh, read and spend some time in, in the words of this, sit and live with these words for their time. Yes, go and hear the choirs and the preaching and all that, but listen and then pay attention and then look around and see where any of this still applies. And I, I know you like me will say, everywhere <laughs> you will say everywhere everywhere um and we have a responsibility to to uh continue the fight to pick up the to, to torch and carry the fight and you know as i tell people all politics are local so the fight really is at your city government the fight really is in your in your board of eds The fight really is with your city councils and board of alders. That's where the fighting is. The fight is where, you know, what does your police department look like? You know, what does your fire department look like? You know, who has access? Is access equitable and inclusive? Do you know what I mean? The fight is amongst us. It is on the streets, you know, and maybe people are not marching in droves in a way that they That they did sixty to one hundred years ago, but I dare say, there are people in all, all halls of life, uh, doing what they can to further this work. So you, you, what did Martin Luther King say? Um, you, You can be great. All you have to do is serve. Paraphrase. We all can be great. All you have to do is serve. And serve means concern yourself with what is going on with your neighbors, what is going on in your community. By serve, I mean, um, have some input and influence in things that affect your everyday practical lives. So while yes, a president ought to be chosen and we, we love to get behind that, your government, your everyday practical life is local. And the fight is local and you got to get it. You got to get into it. So, so yeah. So write your letters, send postcards, call, show up to meetings. Now they got meetings that are that both in person and virtual. So you could tap into what is happening in your community meetings virtually and be at home doing what you got to do. Use the technology. And, and if they're not doing that, say something to them. Hey, there's a bunch of folks at home who would appreciate being in on, a, on these meetings. Can we live stream this? And all it takes is somebody with a damn good iPhone or something and stream it. That's not a heavy lift. You know, back in the old days, you had to get all the camera equipment. And listen, I used to work at Citizens Television Public Access so I I know what it was like to set up cam, cam, remote camera equipment somewhere and and run stuff. Oh, now it's it's listen, I could stream so much with this little baby, <laughs> so much. So I could just I could shoot a whole movie. <laughs> this is this is a, a this is a film crew. This is an investigative reporting tool. <laughs> It's an entertainment tool. It's a communication tool. It's a calendar. <laughs> it's my assistant. It's all the things. It's all the things. So you you don't have to be without this. You don't have to be without. You can have access. So if you if you've not, I, I, as we march into uh, MLK weekend. The, 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 I, every day, I'm gonna just read a little something, and because uh, I know the Beinecke's got something going on with the uh, the African American Historical Society, and they they've got some of MLK um, collections, so the library has some stuff that they're gonna put on display uh, that highlights um, the collection from the, at the Beinecke of of Doctor of Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr and the, uh, African-American freedom movement. So, uh, it'll be in the courtyard, um, at the courtyard level reading room. So, and if you've never been to the be- Beineke, it's one of my favorite places to go. It's a great place to have a date. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm, I'm a little weird. I, you know, I'm one of these people. I like, I like interesting places for dates and I, and I like people to come at me and, uh, uh, with interesting places to go for dates. And, um, the Beinecke is one of my favorites. And so is um, Jazz Vespers at uh, St. Paul and St. James over there in Olive and Chapel. I, and I was I was saying to my Kaplan family, I, I've had many a good date there uh, over the years. Uh, because I just, first of all, I love jazz. Second of all, I like being in churches because I like I like the acoustics in the church and the moodiness and the divinity of a church. And so you put my favorite things together, divinity and jazz. Woo, jackpot. But anyway, um on MLK on this uh, uh, MLK day, uh, the binder key is going to be uh, having a a, a a display, and you should come and it's it's Monday. So from twelve to four. So it doesn't it, it, it's not gonna interrupt with your MLK plans if you have plans, just park somewhere and stroll over to the binder key take a look at these things and then go on to wherever, you know, you want to go and participate. I, I don't, I don't really have a plan about what I'm going to do for MLK day. I tend to sort of um hang back a little bit from all the hoopla, uh, but who knows what I'll get into. I I'm definitely going to make my way over to the Beinecke because uh I, one is one of my favorite places to go. And I never miss the opportunity to be in that space. And two, um, I think it's time for us to to once again revisit the words and the meditations of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So, so every day this week, I'm marching up to it. Uh, I'll, I'll have something to say about it. I have something to say about uh, MLK and and what that means, as well as you know, talk up uh, the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Incorporated. As we come to our Founders Day. <laughs> As we come to our Founders Day. Wednesday, I'm gonna have um Anthony the Boogeyman Rucker uh on. And he's gonna talk about his extraordinary life. Um and if you don't know, uh he is uh he is from Ohio and uh he is an artist, a hip hop, a former hip hop MC. Um, and, uh, he's going to come on and talk about, you know, his, his work and the movie that he's been in and, uh, and the piece that he just, um, the, uh, the, the love letter to James Baldwin called Dear James. Um, it's a, it's a poetic love letter and, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. He's in California and, uh, he is a doctoral a doctoral intern therapist in clinical psychology, so uh, I'm looking forward to having him on uh, Wednesday. I think that'll be a lively discussion. And as you know, hip hop is what turning 50 this year, so uh, long live hip hop. So I'm on my way out, boys and girls. I will be back, uh, be back tomorrow with some with some other conversation. y'all be good be safe out here in these streets all right don't hurt nobody and thank you paul for the word on the street uh thanks harry for getting everything running i'll see y'all tomorrow
3: Say nothing, but that's all I that we need to be. So, born in a good situation. So, go when you're next to me. You say that you want it, you show sure me you want it. I say that to say this to you. Cause I'll give it all to you. You, you, if you feel that comfortable, you ain't gotta go no
0: You are listening to WNHHLV 103.5 FM, streaming live at newham.net.org.